This is the Creative Funding Show, a podcast for authors, YouTubers, and podcasters who want to fund the work they love without selling out. Welcome back to the Creative Funding Show. I'm Thomas Umstadt Jr. And with me today is Bremner Morris. He's the head of Patreon's Creator Partnerships and Creator Success Teams, to be renamed soon, I imagine. And uh, he basically helps creators uh, join the platform and become more successful once they get on uh, Patreon. So, Bremner, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. So, uh, what is Patreon? (laughs) What is Patreon? So, Patreon is a membership platform for artists and creators to get paid by their most loyal fans. Uh, And what I mean by that is artists and creators can use Patreon to engage with their audience on a monthly recurring basis and establish a membership fee with those fans um, by offering them something exclusive and unique as part of that membership campaign. Um, So today we have about 70,000 creators on the platform, um, processing about 150 million payments uh, a year. Um, And to date, we've processed about 300 million payments back to creators. So pretty exciting. It's very exciting, especially when you consider 150 million a year and 300 total. That means the growth curve is up and to the right quite a bit. So a lot of new people. How many new creators are joining the platform on a given week or given month? On a given week or a month, um, we're adding, you know, in the hundreds of creators, um, per, per week and then per month, hundreds and hundreds. <laughs> um, that we have a lot of folks that are joining the platform just to test it out. Um, but then we have a number of folks who join and then they have very significant outcomes because they have a very established fan base. Um, one of the things about Patreon is that it's really for folks who have that established fan base because what they're doing is converting their most loyal audience into a paying subscriber. If no one knows who you are, Patreon is not going to help very much. That's right. Yeah. We have an a, a internal term that says we're not from this, we're not for the zero to fan problem. We're for the fan to member problem. Right. And what I've found is that a lot of people are shocked at how much money their most loyal fans are really mm-hmm. wanting to give them. So yeah. there's this curve and you have a handful of people who would be very happy to give you hundreds of dollars yeah. a, a month, sometimes without actually asking for any of the rewards. This is the big surprise. You set up these amazing rewards and some of your fans never bothered to give you their address to mail them the thing yeah. <laughs> or never bought, you know, and uh, and I've talked with creators and they're like, yeah, I reach out to these people and they'll respond back, but they don't care about the rewards. They just want to back me. And yeah. a lot of creators, if they're not using something like Patreon, I feel like they're leaving money on the table. Yeah. If you're an author and you're just selling your book, your most passionate fan buys your book for $10 and your most mediocre fan buys your book for $10. Right. <laughs> and it's like that passionate fan wants something more uh, to engage with you. And if you just would offer that. To yeah. You. The, the way that we think about it is there's probably two motivations for a patron to sign up. One is a support motivation. Um, they really love what you do and they want to continue to support your craft um, so that you as a creator can make this a sustainable um, lifestyle. Um, and then the, the other side of the coin is a benefits-oriented uh, patron where they're signing up because of that exclusive and extra uh, benefit that they get as part of being a member. The interesting thing is they sort of come together over time. So we've seen that folks that sign up as a support-oriented uh, Patreon, a patron, not Patreon, um, migrate more towards a benefits-oriented uh, patron. And then the folks that sign up because they want that extra episode or they want that exclusive merchandise trend more towards this is fantastic that I get to support the creators that I really love. Um, and to your point about uh, you know the opportunity 
uh, for creators and the fact that they're leaving money on the table. We've seen that the average patron spends about $12 on the platform. So more than a typical subscription to, you know, a music service or a, a video service. Um, and there are a number of creators who have benefit tiers in the thousands of dollars, and they have a number of folks that are converting at that rate. Yeah, it's it's quite remarkable. And when you think about it, it's, you know, you spend $10 for Spotify and it's split up, you know, amongst probably tens of thousands of songs or thousands, however much you listen. Whereas if you're, you know, spending $12 on Patreon and it's split up between maybe five or six patrons or uh, Patreon users. This, this naming is a little confusing. Creators. Creators. <laughs> Creators. Yeah. Um, it, that's a much bigger piece of the pie. Yeah. Right? So any given, if I'm an artist on Spotify, any given listener may be giving me a few pennies, yeah. whereas I'm getting a few dollars potentially from that exact same listener if yeah. I'm on Patreon. So uh, how, how does um, – What's the best way for a creator to kind of take those two and speak to both of those motivations? Because I often see creators who are really good at like, help me do this. And other creators who are really good at these rewards are amazing. So how, how, what's the best way to do both of those? Yeah. Well, the first thing is um, for a creator, understanding the motivations of your audience. Um, And there are certain audiences that are really support oriented. Um, And there are other audiences that are really benefits oriented. And then there are some that are in between. Um, and we really advise creators to one sort of take a step back as they're launching their membership program and think about that motivation. But then secondly, if it's something that they don't know explicitly, maybe asking their audience and understanding exactly what their motivation is. Um, so that's the first thing, understanding your audience. And a great way to do this is to have a contest uh, and winners of the contest. So everyone enters the contest, gives yeah. you the email address, and the winners of the contest get to have a conversation with you. Mm-hmm. So you're able to build your email list yeah. while simultaneously having qualitative research yeah. as you just chit-chat with your yeah. uh, fans. We actually have a, um, a survey that we've been sending out to creators that they can then use with their audience base um, to understand those motivations. Um, and, and where does so. somebody get that survey? Well, right now, uh, it's something that we're just uh, piloting, but um, it's something that hopefully in the next couple months, we're going to be offering out on the, our website. Um, we're going through a complete um, redo of our education materials um, and investing more in sort of the guide to how to do Patreon. So... Um, more. Stay so, tuned. So, you, so tweet at Patreon <laughs> yeah, more if, to you come. Want, if you want to in on that secret uh, survey. Keep an eye out; it'll be available for everyone here soon. Okay, so that's how uh, you connect with cause-based folks. What about for more uh, reward-based? Folks? Yeah. So then, once you understand the motivations of your audience, it's really about um, highlighting the benefits of the membership, um, regardless of whether it's a support orientation or a benefits-oriented fan. Um, so if it's a support oriented fan, you want to talk about what it means to you in order to have a sustainable, uh, independent creative career, um, and how the participation by your member base, um, is helping you continue to drive that, um, independent creative career, um, for a benefits oriented, um, audience base, you really want to be talking to them about in exchange for your membership dollars, this is exactly what you're going to get back in return. So that can include, um, you know, the exclusive merchandise that they may be getting, the exclusive episodes, um, but really tailoring it to this value for value exchange. So at this tier, you get X. At this tier, you get X plus Y. Um, and rather than talking about Patreon, talk about something that people understand, a membership. Most people have a gym membership or they've got a membership to, you know, um, their credit card or something like that. <laughs> it allows um, you to buy all the things that you buy. Exactly. Um, and those have benefits. Um, and so most people can put that in a you know mental uh, box and they understand, hey, I'm going to fork over 
$12 a month in exchange for something uh, in return. It's like Costco, but for funny cat videos. That's right. <laughs> and one of the things um, that is important is that uh, creators realize that what they're offering is valuable. Um, and we've seen that a lot of creators are not um, comfortable in, quote unquote, asking for money. And really, they're not asking for money. They're asking for fair value for what they offer to the world. Um, and that is a really important thing to drill home, that whatever you create is truly valuable. And what you're doing in offering a membership program is assigning a dollar value to that. Um, and so you want to assign a dollar value based on how uh, valuable it is to your fan base um, and then also how valuable it is to you from the amount of time, energy, effort, emotion that you put into your craft. That's right. And really what they're doing is they're helping you create your uh, whatever it is that you're creating. So yeah. you create this amazing animated video on YouTube. Somebody who donates to you is like, I help make that possible. Right. And so maybe they can't do what you do as the artist, yeah. but they can still have that sense of ownership, that sense of like, oh my goodness, I, I made this happen. And that's a really powerful thing. Yeah. And uh, one of my uh, friends who's a client has started creating a little wall of, of, and she has bricks on the wall and she's putting her patrons' names oh, that's cool. in the bricks. So basically lifted straight from a you know university funding, right? Yeah. Like, oh, we have to build a new library. Yeah, for a thousand dollars and get your name on a brick. Yeah. Kind of like people love that, right? They yeah. love the idea that they help contribute even in a small way. So yeah. maybe it's a million dollars to have the library named after you, but it's only you know yeah. a few hundred bucks to get a, a brick with your name stamped yeah. on it. And one of the things that we've seen from creators on Patreon is that this ongoing sustainable stream of income really does allow them to be independent. Um, and for a lot of our creators, um, especially in either the music or the video space. Um, they had to, and this also is true for authors or podcasters, they've had to um, sort of pander to sponsors or ad dollars or the sort of call it brokerage arms that allow them to get in front of their fans, be it a YouTube or um, you know Spotify or something like that. And what they've found is that it's not allowing them to be truly independent. Um, it's um, tailoring what they create in order to appeal to an algorithm or appeal to um, what's going to drive the most eyeballs versus what's going to drive the most quality and the most deep relationship that they have with their fans. So that's the, um, to us, the really important thing about this ongoing recurring relationship with your fan base. Um, one, it's predictable for the creator. And then two, it allows them to drive this sort of independent creation that is most appealing to their most loyal and dedicated audience base. Exactly. And it helps even out the lumpiness yeah. of income. So I'm from primarily the author world and authors have the worst in the sense of lumpy income. So if you're a traditionally published author, let's say you're a really successful author, right? Yeah. You're selling hundreds of thousands of books and you're making a lot of money, but that money Money that you make for the year comes in maybe three checks across the entire year. So sure, that check may be for tens of thousands of dollars, but that requires a lot of discipline yeah. to not go blow it. You're like, oh, we're going to Tahiti. Uh, and I've, I have you know a lot of agents that I talk with who have clients who are making very, very good money, yeah. money that they should be very comfortable living on. But because it's not coming in evenly, they're struggling and they're having to get advances and, you know, struggling with debt and things like that. And this is one of the reasons why I was so excited about Patreon when I first found it back in 2014 uh, was, you know, I'd seen Kickstarter. Yeah. So let's say you're a podcast and you do a Kickstarter campaign for season six of your yeah. podcast. You get all of your money for season six all at the beginning. Yeah. So I sure hope you did a good job on budgeting right. and planning. Uh, whereas with Patreon, you're able to even that out. And you and what's great is that if you're an author, you still get to have those lumps, right? Yeah. The Patreon doesn't really take away from your book sales. Yeah. Uh, and the people who are, quote, buying a book through Patreon are going to be spending way more yeah. for that book through Patreon because that's not really why they're on. Patreon's not a place to come for deals, yeah. right? 
right? It's like, oh, if I want a deal on your music, I'll listen to it for free on Spotify. I'll listen to it for free on YouTube. It's for your more passionate fans. And I think that that model really helps uh, reduce the anxiety. Yeah. Because a lot of authors are not making tons of money on Patreon, but just the idea that they know for sure rent is covered or the mortgage is covered next month allows them to take those bigger risks. Yeah, I think from our standpoint, we see Patreon or membership in general. I don't, it doesn't necessarily need to be Patreon, but membership in general is sort of the core sustaining stream of income for your career. Um, it's like your paycheck. And then there are these other opportunities like a book deal or like a sponsorship deal or um, you name it that are these bumps. And they're, uh, as you said, lumpy, but they are fantastic. Um, and the nice thing about Patreon is that we're not in the business of sort of being um, a exclusive platform that would cut you off from having to do those or being allowed to do those types of opportunities. In fact, to us, as long as creators get paid, that's us achieving our mission. Um, and so we really just want to give you that sustainable stream of income so that you can then be, um, you know, more empowered in your craft. Um, yeah. Very cool. So to help understand Patreon, I want to kind of get your take on yeah. some of your competitors. Yeah. So now realize some of these competitors are companies that I personally love. So yeah. don't be too mean, yeah. but I want to understand kind of how it's different. Uh, so like for instance, Kickstarter and Patreon, how is Patreon different from yeah. Kickstarter? Um, you know, Candidly, we don't really see Kickstarter as a competitor. Um, I think it's a very additive stream of income that can serve a certain component of the audience that, or not audience, but creator base that needs a one-time, um, you know, single influx of cash. Um, you know, to us, what we're really architecting is the way to monetize your audience on an ongoing basis, whereas Kickstarter is monetizing your audience on a one-time basis. Um, and there's a challenge there because your audience participates for a single moment in time around a single project. And then um, they have to figure out, an, you know, the next time that you want to go back to that trough, you've got to figure out a whole new campaign to run with them. Um, and we've seen a number of folks use both um, where they need that single influx of cash up front. Um, but then they realize that they need to convert that audience base into an ongoing consistent membership base. Um, so, you know, from our standpoint, the difference is that your, um, entering into essentially a contract with your fan base. Um, and that's great. It has responsibilities. There's a ton of investment that needs to go alongside that. But um, we hope that it will be more fruitful in the long run. And it also allows you to offer more compelling rewards because you're thinking about a customer on a lifetime value basis rather than on or a fan on a lifetime value basis rather than on a one-time basis. So if you're thinking about merch, one-time basis, there's a very little bit of margin there. But it doesn't matter how quality, how high quality the shirts are yeah. if they're only buying it one time. Exactly. <laughs> Whereas if you want them to buy the 2018 and the 2019 yeah. shirt, they need to have a good experience of the 2018 That's shirt. Right. Yeah. yeah, I will say it's easier to get people excited about a Kickstarter campaign because it's for that limited yeah. period of time, but it's also way more exhausting for the creator. Yeah. And like when somebody's done with a Kickstarter campaign, they really need a month to recover because yeah. it's just so much energy focused in such a narrow amount of time. And in some ways, it's kind of like harvesting. Like you've done all this work the whole year and then you have to bring in the whole harvest right yeah. before it rains. You know, you don't know when it's going to rain. So you're like pe the peasants, you know, in the fields working like crazy, bringing the harvest. And afterwards, you're just like, oh, my gosh, I can't do anything for the next month. Uh, whereas uh, Patreon is more like that uh, greenhouse where it, yeah. it's, you know, a little bit more work um, over time, but it's less work in any given month. Yeah. And if I mean, if you think about the way that the world is moving, most services are turning into a subscription service. Um, and so we believe that art and creation is likely going to transition into a subscription service. And there are a number of examples of 
call it sort of newly established paradigms like YouTube and like podcasts that work on a serialized ongoing recurring basis. Um, so our membership model aligns really well with the way that those um, you know creators offer their creations in the world. There are other industries or other categories on Patreon that are a little bit different. Musicians or authors, um, fine artists, they typically work up to a single moment in time. Um, and then there is some sort of outcome after that single moment in time. And what we've seen is that there are a lot of folks in those categories who are trying to transition the way that they create and transition the way that they engage with their fans into an ongoing recurring subscription. Um, and it, it's just sort of a paradigm that's happening not only in the creator industry, but in software. Um, you know, you have now I have now have a, a Wi-Fi subscription to United Wi-Fi. You know, everybody's moving. <laughs> when I was to, a kid, I bought Photoshop. Yeah. Now I subscribe to Photoshop. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And the the hope is that for your fan base, it's a more uh, it's a smaller amount of money per month, but it's a more valuable relationship uh, on an ongoing basis. Yeah, that's that's really good. And it is a bit of a paradigm shift, but uh, I think that it can be really good. And one interesting thing that I've noticed in the author space is that Patreon is bringing back the short story. Mm-hmm. So short stories in the like 60s and 70s and 80s, there were these magazines like yeah. printed with paper that would have short stories in them and readers would buy them and everyone was happy. And then the internet happened and it more or less killed the short story. Yeah. So you'd have these anthologies printed, uh, you know, and there's a few short story anthologies that are survived and they're in their, you know, 40th year or whatever, but they're not, it's not a big part of the market. Like yeah. most people who write short Short stories were not getting paid for short stories. And as a craft, it really died, which was really unfortunate because there's a lot of really powerful storytelling that can happen in that show, you know, short format. You know, sometimes the short at the beginning of the Pixar film is as moving as the entire Pixar film. It's like you're crying. You're like, why did you do this to me? Pixar? The, two, the two volcanoes. I don't know if you've seen that one. <laughs> oh, that one was fantastic. Favorite. Yeah, we actually have a, a printing of that uh, oh, really? for, yeah, in our house. My, my wife and I love that. But yeah, it's really emotionally moving. And they didn't need an hour and a half to tell that story. And What's happening, I'm noticing, is that more and more authors, they're looking for that thing to give their readers every month. And so while they're working on their big epic fantasy, they're able to write short stories as they go, which is great for their craft. But it's also they're actually getting paid for that short story. And, you know, but based off of the subscriptions, it's a really great reward. And I I love to see that happening. It's interesting to see things kind of come and go like Pulp Fiction was really popular in the 1920s when paperbacks were invented and books got cheap and then it kind of went away and Pulp Fiction's totally back. The Kindle, it's like there's a Pulp Fiction revolution, right? As fast as you can, it's create as many books as you can. There's a certain kind of reader who will read 100 books in a year and they want to read you know all 20 of your books in a series yeah. and it's, it's fun to watch that pendulum go back and forth and it seems like patreon's in a good spot uh, on that pendulum well the other thing i would say is that um your fan base is uh supporting the artist and there's a bunch of other things that you do outside of just your specific craft that are compelling to your audience base um great example is that some folks um in the music world offer an insight into what they're doing behind the scenes. It could be in the studio, it could be on the road, on their tour, it could just be their friend group, but they're offering that inside scoop on who they are as an artist. Um, And that is really compelling to your most loyal fans. Another um, example, I I had a conversation with uh, Mickey Kendall, who's a um, writer, and she started offering recipes on like really esoteric stuff um, on Twitter. And her audience base said, I'd love to see more of that. Um, and this is not related to her you know, craft of being a, a writer and an author, but um, 
she's able to like sort of excite and engage with her audience base around these recipes. And that's been a significant driver of her um, ongoing engagement with her fan base. So um, when we consult with creators, it's also about identifying the things that they do that may be slightly tangential to um, the specific thing that they're creating that offers their fan base an opportunity to engage with them in in a more compelling way. The other thing to note, and this sort of gets back into the are we similar or different than Kickstarter? We also see um, Patreon as sort of the nugget of membership, but more importantly, the relationship that the um, creator and their fan have that travels with them across the internet. Um, so that could mean that a reward is opening up a new area of your website um, that is only available to members, or it can mean opening up a chat server where you get to engage with your creator, um, like on a Discord or something like that. It could be opening up a live stream. And those things are digitally fulfilled rewards that offer um, sort of an, a deeper engagement level with the creator. And it doesn't necessarily have to be on patreon.com. Um, and it also um, is something that could only really be done in an ongoing subscription relationship because it would make, it would be weird for somebody to offer a Kickstarter just to have a single live stream with them or something like that. And you're doing a lot of traffic copying at yeah. that point. It's like, oh, wait, have you paid? Have you not paid? Yeah. Like, that's a lot of hassle. Yeah. Uh, it's, you know, it's a challenge a lot of co-working spaces have, right? They have to, you know, if they have day passes, they have to have somebody there to check at the door to make sure you yeah. bought your day pass. Uh, so now I know YouTube is also rolling out their own version of yeah. Patreon. It's their new subscription platform. Yeah. How is that different? different from Patreon? Yeah. You know, we're, we're really excited um, that YouTube is starting to think about how to Everyone help. wants to be Patreon. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, how to get help create, get creators paid. Um, and to us, that is um, somewhat of our mission because we've sort of influenced the market to make them understand that um, there is value in offering this subscription service. Um, the difference, I think, is that many creators don't see themselves as YouTubers. They see themselves as creators who distribute through YouTube, but they may distribute through five other platforms. And that specific subscription only is in the context of YouTube engagement. Um, and to us, you know, we think that your fan base is going to live with you across the Internet. They may be a YouTube creator. They may also have a Twitch channel. They may have a blog. They may have a Discord server. Um, and there needs to be that sort of like pass that you have as a fan across every single one of those engagement platforms. Um, and so we believe that a lot of creators are one sort of reticent and, and questioning um, YouTube's motivations. Um, that's the first thing. Um, but then two, they don't necessarily just want to have singular engagement um, with YouTube. Yeah, because this isn't the first time YouTube's tried to make this work. They had a tip jar back in the day. I don't know if you remember that. Yeah. Uh, the tip jar that nobody used. <laughs> I will say, tip jars online generally don't get used. Yeah. So we have a donate. We have we develop a WordPress plugin. It's a free WordPress plugin. It's a premium version, but there, you can also donate yeah. to the free version of the WordPress plugin. And I think. In the history of the plugin, we've brought in about five dollars in donations. <laughs> this, is a, this is a plugin that's running on thousands of websites all over the world, and it's just like that as a revenue model has yeah. has not worked. It, it'll be interesting to see if the YouTube um, button works because, in some ways, if you want to help out creators, yeah. sign up for YouTube Red. Yeah. Like your view as a YouTube Red subscriber is way more valuable to that creator yeah. than your, you know. 0.05 cent watching of the commercial that you skip after 15 seconds. Yeah. And uh, it, I found that a lot of people are really hesitant to sign up for YouTube Red. It's only you know, $10, $12. It's not like it's really expensive. And yet even that, um, it's not very popular. Like, Well, the value proposition is a little muddled. It's um, 
difficult for a fan to understand what they're getting back in return and how it ultimately goes to support the artist. Um, so that's the first thing. I think also there's um, an internally at YouTube an under, or a um, lack of direction as to whether subscription revenue is the core value proposition of their product or advertising re- revenue is the core pro- value proposition of their product. Oh, well, no, and, it's definitely advertising revenue. All right. So I was, I was being let's fair. Be, to, let's be clear fair. here. YouTube is owned by Alphabet, which yeah. is basically Google. Yeah. And they make billions and billions of dollars being the number one place that people spend their advertising dollars. And they do advertising really well. And I will say as a podcaster, in some sometimes I'm envious of how well monetized YouTube is from an advertising perspective. So for a podcast to sell ads, you have to get a sponsor who you know inserts the file into the MP3 somehow, but it's everyone's getting the same ad. Whereas on YouTube, if you visit Casper's website, you know, so help you for the next 30 days, you're gonna have nothing but Casper ads on YouTube. And that's regardless of what kind of video you're watching. So you're watching a video on news, Casper ad. You're watching a video with cute puppies, Casper ad, because they are able to, they have that tracking data that tracks you around the web. And they do a really good job at that. Like I don't think anyone's ever going to beat Google at advertising. Like maybe Facebook, yeah. but I don't know. If I were a betting man, my money's on Google. Totally. I was trying to be sort of, uh, you know, politically correct and that, yeah, giving them the benefit of the doubt that they may be investing in subscriptions. But I think that that's also uh, at the core of the problem is that this is an ancillary product offering that they're uh, rolling out because, um, you know, they see that there's a desire in the market for creators to engage with their fan base in an ongoing subscription relationship. Um, yeah, I, I just going back to your point about they do advertising really well. I think they do advertising really well when it relates to them making money off of advertising. Um, but the reason that Patreon exists is that Jack, our CEO, was a creator on YouTube and he would have millions of views on every single one of his videos. And um, to this day, some of those videos, despite having millions of views, have only made him a few hundred dollars in advertising revenue. Um, and so while they may be very effective at serving up ads to fans and uh, helping advertisers uh, or brands get in front of those eyeballs, they're not very effective at um, you know, paying out the artists for their creations. Um, and we've seen a lot of folks recently through the demonetization um, challenges move over to Patreon because they haven't been able to drive a sustainable income. And these are folks with 12 million subscribers on, uh, on YouTube um, that are struggling to even make ends meet despite the fact that, you know, six months ago, a year ago, they were making, you know, in the 20s to 30s to 40s of thousands of dollars per month in ad revenue. Um, this, the flip of the switch from an algorithm standpoint can mean, you know, boom or bust for a lot of these creators. Um, and from a Patreon standpoint, we never want to put them in that position. So um, we just want to give them the infrastructure to be able to engage with their fans however they see fit. And I will say that's something a lot of uh, people are concerned about, especially people in the center of the country. So there's this sense that, well, these companies that are based on the coasts, they have a very different value system and they have a very strong belief as to what political views should be. And if you don't agree with our political views, we'll cut you off from money. And that's really scary, like especially when you feel so powerless, like, oh, there's nothing I can do about Facebook, you know, not showing my post to people or YouTube demonetizing me. How is uh, Patreon navigating that? Because Patreon located in San Francisco. So I imagine it's pretty monocultural when it comes to political (laughs) views. You're not going to see lots of diversity there. I'm I'm guessing, but you you tell me. Yeah. So um, two things. One, you know, Patreon, our brand promise is that we're not going to get in between the relationship between a creator and their fans. Um, And internally, one of our core behaviors and one of our core values as a business is that we're creator first. So we're going to build products that help creators engage with their fan base. Um, And from our standpoint, those creators could be across an entire political spectrum. 
Um, if they have an established fan base and they want to use our infrastructure in order to engage with their fan base, more power to them, regardless of political belief. Now, we do have you know privacy policies and um, you know rules and guidelines on what you can offer through the, through Patreon, and we do draw the line at certain areas, um, hate speech or um, you know things on the um, you know pornography side of the spectrum. Um, but regardless, we are very um, you know we're an open platform, um, and people can participate as they see fit. Um, and you know in that way, if your audience can choose to support. Um, a creator, if it is something that Patreon doesn't agree with or somebody, you know, internally at Patreon, that doesn't stop them from using the platform. Um, and we've got really successful creators com- completely across the, the political uh, spectrum. Um, and I think that that's actually a um, unique differentiator of Patreon versus uh, a platform that is essentially run by ads um, because the ads dictate what can be valuable on the platform. Um, Absolutely. And you have big corporations who yeah. will bully yeah. companies into suppressing you know, speech they don't like. Exactly. I, I remember there was a video that made fun of Vegemite, which is a food that's very popular in Australia. Yeah. And it was an American guy and he's tasting Vegemite and he's getting like super sick and it's yeah. hilarious video and had millions of views terrible for the Vegemite brand and they're able to get the video taken down and after a while and I don't know if it's been put back up this was years ago but it was like this has violated some terms of service and I was like what on earth did this guy like whose copyright it was just like how is this possible but from YouTube's perspective their relationship with Vegemite the corporation is far more valuable than their relationship with some guy who's eating it in a YouTube video and I think that uh, that creator first is really powerful and just because you're located in San Francisco doesn't mean that you have to be like, oh, you all have to agree with yeah. us, right? There are other companies in Silicon Valley like Twitter that, you know, we're out of the free speech wing of the free speech party is how they articulate it, right? They're like, just let the speech happen and things will, you know, shuffle down. You know, the truth will win in the end. And I think that that's a, a really strong position to have. Yeah. So that's one of the things I like about Patreon because I will say Kickstarter is um, we've, I've had some trouble with them with some of my clients, you know, especially in the early days. I will say Kickstarter's gotten a lot better but you know uh, mary demuth who we had on the show a few episodes ago her campaign was rejected from kickstarter you know it was a book on overcoming sexual uh, assault and sexual abuse but they considered it self-help and that was not good and it's like that did not meet their hipster standards it was like this isn't artistic enough <laughs> i was like really <laughs> like that's what you're got that's how you're gonna play it. so she ended up going on indiegogo which was much more laid back indiegogo i, I feel is more like patreon they're like hey if you have people who want to you know support you uh you're not forcing anyone to buy your product, right? It's not like Patreon is like, hey, you must become a patron of this creator you don't like, right? It's like it's ultimately it's up to those creators and those patrons on who they support. Yeah. And I think one of the other things is right now we don't invest in discoverability. So we're not trying to push to our fan base a certain creator based on who you subscribe to. Um, it's all about the creator engaging with their fan base. In fact, a significant portion, a portion, probably in the 70 to 80% of fans came to Patreon because the creator specifically mentioned Patreon. Patreon's not going out there and recruiting, um, potential patrons on behalf of creators. We're giving the creator the infrastructure to engage with that fan base. Um, and you know, to the point about being creator first, the really exciting thing about the business is that it was founded by a creator who saw a problem in the market and has consistently sort of been that uh, chief creator <laughs> um, in order to um, help us better build products for creators and also realize that the existing platforms that are out there have some type of bias to another constituent. 
Um, and we don't want to enter in that type of um, situation where Patreon is you know, beholden to another type of constituent. He who pays the piper calls the tune. And when you're the piper, you really care about who's paying you, ultimately. So real quick before we go, tell us a little bit about uh, the roadmap. I realize you can't talk about like specifics. And yeah. if you make promises of de- uh, deliverables for engineers, they will have your head on. So I've worked in software companies. I know how that is. But give us an idea. What is Patreon working on in 2018? Yeah. So there are a few things. Um one, we recognize that there's a ton of cost of fulfillment associated with running a membership campaign, and we want to be able to reduce that cost so that people can offer more compelling benefits to their fan base. That can include building out more sophisticated fulfillment management tools, um, essentially a more robust uh, CRM uh, so that people can track what is owed to people on a given um, you know, recurring basis. Yes, please. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that, uh, right now is, is in the beta rollout phase. Um, we call it the fulfillment manager. Um, and it's essentially just a really robust CRM. Um, and we hope to automate a lot of the functions that happen on the platform so that you can do automated fulfillment of different benefits. Um, the second is that we're recognizing that one of the biggest costs of fulfillment for the business is around merchandise. Um, and so we're investing in capabilities that reduce the cost of that fulfillment, um, so that you can offer really compelling benefits around exclusive merchandise, um, and also offer it as a time-based benefit so that people can, um, you know, stick around for six months because they know that the, uh, exclusive t-shirts coming out or stick around for two years because they know that the, um, you know, custom CD as an example is coming out. Um, so that's the second. So cost of fulfillment in general, cost of fulfillment around merchandise uh, explicitly, and then also investing in our platform capabilities. So uh, about a year ago, we released a platform API, which allows us to tie that membership nugget into other uh, platforms for engagement. And we have about 30 different applications that are built on top of uh, Patreon's API. Um, they could be live streaming mechanisms. MailChimp is a thing that we offer so you can have a custom um uh, mailing list based on your patron um, data. And there are a variety of other uh, things that we offer on top of that API, but we're heavily investing there because to us, if Patreon sort of fades into the background and allows you to run your membership wherever you want to engage with your fans, that's a super positive outcome for us. Um, and then there are a ton of sort of benefits that we'll offer through the platform. So we just released a um, ethereal video, um, which is kind of like a private Snapchat, if you will. Um, called Lens, which allows people to engage with their fans and offer, you know, uh, time-based video. So you can offer a video for 24 hours. Um, and it's only for your cordoned off component of your membership base. Um, and yeah, those are some of the, the areas. We're also really heavily investing in the infrastructure of our, our platform. You know, now that we're processing this amount of uh, payments per year, we need our, our platform to be hyper robust. So we're hiring a lot of engineers around billing, a lot of engineers around, um, uh, infrastructure and those types of things. Yeah, because scaling from zero transactions to millions of dollars of transactions and hundreds of millions of dollars of transactions that's uh, can be a little complicated. Yeah. I, I will say I'm really excited about those uh, features that encourage patrons to stay patrons for long periods of time because that's one of the challenges is somebody, you know, let's say a Q&A episode, right? Like, that's a really great benefit. Yeah. But after a while, fans are asking the same questions over and over again. And so that benefit diminishes its value over time. And so having this, there's an exclusive T-shirt for people who've been a patron for a year. That 
uh, is a really solid like strategy to help offset that. Yeah. So while the Q&A episodes may be less interesting because yeah. people are asking the same questions, and you want to answer those questions, right, from the new fans who are like, oh, my gosh, you know, where do you where do your ideas come from, right? Yeah. It's like, how many times do you get that question? <laughs> There's not, never a good answer to it. Yeah. Um, but uh, you're able to offset that with features that kind of, you know, mature over time. Yeah, at a super high level, um, we've invested in product pods that are focusing on how do you acquire patrons, um, then how do you retain those patrons? And then how do you also drive up the um, amount of subscription based on a more compelling benefits at higher tiers? Um, and so we're really trying to think about that entire um, creator experience and engaging with their patrons. And what are the things that people are doing really well on our platform that we can then you know, suss out and productize? What are some areas where they're struggling and that we need to reduce the cost or the cost or the friction associated with offering those benefits? Um, and getting more deeply engaged with our creator base. Now that we have so many folks, we can really learn from them. Um, so we're investing on that from a product standpoint. And then, you know, from my standpoint, my team is focused on um, essentially consulting and teaching and engaging with the creator base to understand what those things are that have really driven success, but then also scaling that out across all of the creators that are on our platform. So I'm uh, investing in a creator success function, um, investing in a lot of marketing and webinars and tutorials um, and materials that people can use to drive their success. Um, so that's an area of, of investment for the business. It may not be product, but it's, um, you know, all with the, um, intention of making creators more successful on our platform. That's awesome. Well, very exciting things to come. I'm looking forward to watching all of that roll out. Bremner, thank you so much for joining us on the creative funding show. Yeah, this is really exciting. Thanks. Full disclosure, not only does the creative funding show have its own Patreon page, but we are also affiliates with Patreon. Speaking of which, if you'd like to sign up for your own Patreon account and get some extra money, you can do it with our affiliate links. If you go to creativefunding.show forward slash Patreon affiliate link, you get an extra, I think it's 50 bucks or so uh, once you sign up as a creator on Patreon. So thank you so much for listening to Thomas Umstead on the Creative Funding Show. <laughs>